Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. If I can, and you can hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, okay. ma'am. Very much so. Perfect. So um, what we're going to do, this is going to be the first time we're actually recording it through um, Zoom, and then we're going to post it to YouTube. I used to do it through Voice America, right. so it used to just be audio. Um, so we're going to kind of edit it, put it together, and then have it go out on multiple locations too. So as soon as we have that done, we'll let you know, um, okay. to, and we'll promote that as well. Um, so we're not going to have segments or anything that we have to do. We could just, you know, go through the interview and, you know, when we come to the end, it used to be about 50 minutes of content. Um, so we can just kind of take it, um, and see how, how it goes. Um, okay with this and and so i had less questions with them i because i had to fill in the space i used to want like you know 12 to 15 questions we had less but i know one of your questions has quite a few things in it yeah it actually um, says what are 10 key i think that's a typo mm -hmm. it should be four key things but i can oh, okay. i can give you 10 but i can but, change that let me change that right now because yeah like, okay, i saw that i was like that. huh i think that's a typo i'm not sure there's 10 key things that gets to be too complicated uh -oh, Voice America is calling me right now. Hold on one second. I don't think they got the warning that uh, we weren't doing a show together. Hold on. This is Candy. I'm good. Um, I wasn't actually expecting to be doing it through you anymore because my last show was last week and I talked to Dee. I said if we needed to do a show, I could, um, but she was supposed to let me know. I have a guest, but we were going to be recording it, um, you know, just through Zoom or something for myself. Okay. Yeah, she told me you would like just air another show or something. Um, okay, whatever works. I just, because I didn't hear back from her, because I said, if you want to do a live show, I can still get a guest. I have a guest ready. Um, sure. Justin, if they want to do a live show, do you want to just do it through Voice America? I can do that. Whatever you want to do. Uh-huh. Okay. Perfect. Works. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm, Bye-bye. All right. Yeah. I, I was wondering if that was going to happen because I was like, my contract ended 
and <laughs> they were calling. So, but we should be good. So we'll do our own. Um, so I have the four key things uh, that we should evaluate. That will be the question. So, okay. So I'm going to do uh, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to do an intro. Um, I will read your bio, then I'll welcome you to the show, and then I'll ask you to share a little bit more about your history. Um, sure. You know, your how you got into what you're doing, and then we'll go into your questions, and then I'll just have a closing at the end. That's fine. Yeah, I can right. follow you whichever way you take us. I'll follow you. Okay, sounds good. All right, I'm going to just count us down. Um, so I have a good start. So I'll say five, four, three, two. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Harassment Prevention Training Due Date Approaches, What Employers Need to Know, Informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links are located on my YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Justin Goodbread, CFP, CEPA, CVGA, owner of Heritage Investors and Heritage Business Advisors and FinanciallySimple.com, is a nationally recognized financial planner, financial educator, wealth manager, author, speaker, and entrepreneur. Armed with 20 plus years of experience starting buying and selling and owning businesses, Justin spends most of his time helping fellow business owners across the country increase and manage the value of their businesses and personal assets so that they can live the life of their dreams now and in the future. So Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Candy. I'm glad to have you here. I only gave a little tiny bit of your background, of course, so I would love for you to start with just telling us a little bit more about how you got into the financial industry and how you started to help business owners. So I have to take you a little bit further back than how I came into the financial industry. At age 15, my mom and dad convinced me to start a business, and it was a rather interesting life at that point. My dad worked at the port uh, in South Georgia on the ocean, loading cargo ships that, flew, that go all around the world. And my mom was educated through college and worked at the hospital. And they, my dad taught me this little trick. He said, son, you can make more in a couple hours than I can in a day working for yourself. Mm. And I learned that trick at age 15, took that business from age 15 to when I sold that at age 23. I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee from South Georgia because of my beautiful bride, Emily. She's from Knoxville. And of course, you end up where mama's from. So we moved up to Tennessee. Whenever I came to Knoxville, I was all intentioned on starting another business, another landscaping business. And the South Georgia, we had reached a, a very sizable style business. And I want to just duplicate it in Tennessee. I quickly found out I don't like digging in red clay. It's really oh, no. hard here in the mountains compared to the beach sand down by the, by the ocean. So um, I put my resume out and lo and behold, this nationally recognized firm called me and they said, hey, Justin, we read your bio. We want you to come work with us. If you can pass these three tests, we'll give you 5,000 bucks. Now, I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm like, I can pass any test for five grand. So I spent 30 days and studied the material, found out that no one in that office had ever passed him in 30 days, but I took five pretty, uh, pretty tough tests, 
got my 5,000 bucks and said, you know, I'm done with this. I don't want to be in the financial world. I don't want to be a stockbroker. Don't want to be an insurance guy. I am an entrepreneur. I love business. Well, come to find out that after I sold my first business, I had to be in the world of Wall Street because of tax planning. Mm. And I found out that not many Wall Street type individuals understand business. They understand uh, maybe a W-2 employee, like a 401k structure, right. but they didn't understand me as a business owner on how I could maximize my net worth. So I stayed within the industry and candidly, the worst is history. I mean, it's, 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 been a, it's been a whirlwind. So it's been 20 years now in the financial world. Um, I love helping business owners. What I say we business owners can do is very unique. We have the opportunity if we deploy our assets right and our, and our time and our abilities correct, we have the ability to double our net worth every three to five years. Mm -hmm. We have that ability. Now, very few business owners do that because we don't focus on those things which allow us to double our net worth. So where we approach things is this, we realize that multiple studies have been done that show the largest single asset that business owners have is our business. If we look at our net worth statement, most of us are broke when we look at our cash positions because we redeploy a ton of our cash right back into our business to make our businesses more successful. The sad thing is, is that, Candy, I've been doing this a long time now. I see when people reach age 50 and 60 and 70, we get tired. Business wears on us. And now we're saying, holy cow, Batman, I wish I would have saved money all these years. Right. I have this business that I can't sell. Mm -hmm. Because so as true. Michael Gerber says, we are all, we created an employee position and we work for a lunatic ourselves and no one wants <laughs> to buy a job. Right. So I approach this world of finance saying there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to which we can change the paradigm for the backbone of our great country and the backbone of many countries around our world, the business owner. There's got to be a way we can get a message out to business owners that said, hey, look, you can take this asset, this thing that you call a business, and drastically, drastically increase its value in such a way that somebody else, whether it be an investor, a child, a key employee, a strategic partner, buyer, whatever, would come in and offer you some sort of a proposition of revenue for this business. So that's kind of how I got to where I'm at. <laughs> I love business. I love what I do. And I just want to see so many business owners succeed. It's a, it's a shame to me that so many people are handcuffed by this thing that we pour our blood, sweat, and tears into. And so that's my, that's my mission in life, Candy, is to change the business owner's paradigm. That's so good too, because I remember too hearing um, a statistic, and I don't remember now what the exact number was, but it was saying all these business owners have spent all this time building their business, hoping that they can sell it, you know, into retirement. And then sometimes it's in an industry that's no longer viable, really, and they can't even really sell it. And had they taken some time and, in, and money invested early and kept, you know, building that investment, they would have had built money for retirement, but instead they put it into the business and now there's no return. Well, and you make a valid point. And what, what, but what we business owners don't like to hear is what you just said. And I'll tell you why. Because I know that I, Justin Goodbread, can take the money that I work hard for and I can outperform Wall Street with a return on my investment. I know that. So does every business owner that's listening to this show. Right. We realize as long as we can control it, we can yield a better return. We can go out and buy a piece of equipment, cash, use that equipment to generate more income, more so than, quote, the stock market can. Mm -hmm. 
But the reality of the situation is this. I'm, I'm a fellow at the Exit Planning Institute. We teach other CFPs, attorneys, CPAs around the country how to do what I'm fixing to talk about. In, in the business world, there's three sizes of business. You have the macro, the large businesses. Those are your Apples and Amazons, publicly <laughs> traded companies, right? Then you have what's called the middle market. Middle market, there's 351,000 businesses in the United States today in the middle market. The middle market typically is between about five to $10 million in annual revenue to about $100 million in annual revenue. Everybody else falls into what's called the micro market. Now there's 5.7 million micro market businesses. Those are the mom and pops. That's me. That's a lot. That's right. most of the clients we serve. Where it gets sad is this. Let's go to the middle market because we actually have statistics on them. The micro market, we can't track it because it's private information. Right. In the middle market, there's 351,000 businesses. In the next 10 years, roughly two, a quarter million, 250,000. Okay, three quarters of that particular market is going to try to transact, going to try to exit because most of them are owned by baby boomers. Mm -hmm. Out of that 250,000, so at three quarters of those business owners are going to try to leave, only 3% will actually sell for what they think their business is worth. Wow. Only 14% will actually sell. Hmm. So if we look at the middle market, and these are big businesses compared to most mom and pops, right? If we look at the business, the middle market, only 14% of these individuals who've poured their life, their blood, their sweat, their tears into their business will actually receive money. If we wow. go to the micro market, where there's 5.7 million businesses, I mean, this is chucking a truck. This is the attorney working out of the back door. This is the CPA who's doing bookkeeping, right? This is Justin and a firm that we have. 5.7 million, the numbers are even more dismal. So what we have to do is we have to change the thinking of me, the entrepreneurial business owner. We have to realize that whenever I'm growing my net worth, which everybody wants to do, right. when I'm growing my net worth, there are systems that we can use. Wall Street's a system. The Internal Revenue Code's a system. Value creation is a system. Exit planning is a system. There's all these various types of systems that we can utilize for our net worth growth. And if we incorporate them properly, again, we can double our net worth every three to five years, thus not having to rely on the exit <laughs> of that company or the sale of that right. company. Right. But if we approach it, if I approach it in the financial world saying, hey, Mr. Business Owner, Mrs. Business Owner, give me your cash. Let me throw it over here into some Wall Street investment. I'm going to tell you to fly a kite because <laughs> I know I can make more money by myself than I can through Wall Street, right? Right. So right. It, it's, a, it's a very interesting paradigm that we business owners find ourselves in. So I would love to talk about where, you know, this is great information we've already started talking about. I know we're going to talk about assessments and valuation and things of the business as well. Um, but why should a business owner even be concerned about the assessment of their business and the value now if they think they're not going to sell for a long time, maybe five years, 10 years, 15 years? Yeah. So when we look at business, we have to break down. There's a couple of abilities okay, in every business. We have profitability. Everybody wants to be profitable, right? We want to see our net profit margin increasing every year. Mm -hmm. We have the ability for scalability. Scalability means how fast can you move the business up or how fast can you throttle back? This year has been a throttle back and a throttle up in the same year as we're recording this in 2020. You have competitiveness. Is competition coming alongside to stomp you at this point or are you outpacing your competition, right? That's constant. You have sustainability. Can you sustain whatever comes your way? COVID's an example, right? 
and you have transferability. There's one thing certain, and that is we will leave our business, whether we die, whether we go through a divorce, whether we go through a disagreement with a partnership, something, a disability, you are going to leave your business. So if we understand that this business is not a constant, it's an ebb and flow, it's a constant changing tidal pool that we find ourselves many times trying to tread water in, right? Yep. <laughs> Ultimately, we want value. We want a business that is attractive to outsiders. And here's why. If a business is attractive to an outsider, an investor, a competitor, whatever, then you're best in class in profitability. Mm. Your profit margin is through the roof. So if you're tracking toward value, profitability follows. It's like a leading lagging indicator. If you are best, if you, if you have a high value business, then you've proven you know how to scale the business up and scale the business down. If you have a high value business, then competition becomes irrelevant. If you have a high value business, one that is easily transferable to somebody else, then sustainability becomes a moot point. And ultimately, transferability, that golden goose that you could one day sell, becomes the idealistic. So to me, we business owners, because of our personality, because we are willing to charge hell with a water pistol, we'll often look and say, I won't profit. I won't profit. I won't profit only to find ourselves after about a period of five, six, seven, 10, 15 years of this, that we're burnt out and saying, I want flexibility. Right. I want time. Mm -hmm. But now you've created a monster. You got to have this high revenue coming in to sustain your lifestyle. And you don't have the business that has positioned value so that you can have that high income and time. So that comes from value. So that's where I come back to that every single business owner, the more that we can learn how value works, how valuations work, how making the business attractive to outsiders, everything that we want comes with that. Mm -hmm. But if we try to go the opposite direction and say, hey, I'm only approaching, I only want more sales. I want to take my business from $400,000 in sales to $800,000 in sales. You're just creating more what's called company specific risk, which we'll talk about a little bit more. So right. that's the answer. That's how I'd answer that question, Andy. And it's important, even if they think they have a family member who's going to take over or something, they still should be focusing on the value of their business as if they were going to sell it, right? Yeah, but let me ask you candidly, um, how many times have we as business owners, I'm speaking to your heart for the listeners out there, how many times have we as business owners had one heck of a week? I mean, we got kicked square in the teeth by a mule. <laughs> we're done, right? And we walk home. And in my case, I go home and see Emily and my three sweetheart kids, and they see daddy has just had one heck of a week. Mm -hmm. Do you honestly, in your right mind, believe your kids want to buy that headache? Right. Or want to take over that headache? They've seen mom and dad. They've seen you sacrifice. They've seen the stress. They've seen your, your own facial expressions wither over time. You think they want that? No, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. In fact, statistically, it's less than 20% of kids actually want the business. And whenever mom and dad tries to force them in the business, it causes family dynamics. And we have whole mm. books and chapters on that out there. So I, I don't think the idea of trying to build a business for our kids, even though it's, it's our parental philanthropic desires to give it to the kids, we want to set them in the right place because it's our passion. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd like to load ships. My dad loved it. He loved getting on the ship with bulldozers and pushing corn around and all this other stuff. Uh-uh. 
<laughs> for me to go into an operating room like my mother, I'm going to pass out so I'm going to see blood on the floor. It's not my passion in life. Right. So I, I don't, I think this idea that we're going to give it down to our kids, I get it. And I talk with thousands of business owners a year and it, it, I hear it, but the reality is it's just not there. Mm-hmm. So if someone is going to look at the value of their business, you know, what are the four things they really should be looking at? In business, we have to deal with how evaluation works. So let's, let's keep it super simple for today. I have blogs and podcasts and books on this stuff. So we're going to keep it super simple. Whenever we look at business, there's a thing called intrinsic value. Intrinsic value means basically what is someone willing to pay me for my business and why I'm keeping ultra simple. When we look at a value of intrinsic value of a business, there's two types of capital two types of capital or assets. I'm sorry, two types of assets. We have tangible assets. Those are the tools we have. Those are the computers we have. Those are the medical equipment, depending on what type of business we're at. You have a a capital asset out there and a tangible, a tangible asset, something you can see and touch, but then you have intangible assets. Intangible assets from a technical term classify as goodwill. Mm-hmm. That's the technical term for it. But there's four types of intangible assets. And if you're trying to grow the value of your company, if you focus on these four simple assets or four simple categories of intangible assets, you can actually multiplicatively drive value. So let me go through these capitals. The first one is human capital. Mm-hmm. Human capital. Human capital is how strong is your team? And I was watching my Georgia Bulldogs get beat by the Florida Gators this last weekend. I'm sorry, Bulldogs, Gators stomped you. And it was very frustrating to me. Alabama Crimson Tide, though, is still undisputed. It's probably one of the best teams in college football history. They have an unbelievable roster of players that they can rotate in and out. If in our small business, if me or you, the business owner, is the chief bottle washer, the CEO, the janitor, the gopher, then you don't have a team. Mm -hmm. You don't have a business that can operate without you. So one of the things that we work on that we should work on as business owners is surrounding ourselves with people who complement or who can replace us. And that scares us as business owners. (laughs) So the way we look at that is, is we look at our strengths. I'm a high D personality. If you look at the disc model, I'm like charge hell with a water pistol. That's my personality. And that's the way most entrepreneurs are. We're very dominant individuals. I can tell you that my personality is not one of checklist. If you ask me to sit down and get detailed and write a checklist out, I soon just, you know, stick a fork (laughs) in my eye and go sell llamas in Utah. I'm just not going to do it. On the other hand, if I hire somebody to take those things, which I'm not good at, and I can trust them and train them and they become a cohort of mine, a true colleague of mine, now they can operate in a section of the business that I don't need to operate in. Mm -hmm. And if I can build a team around me, my human capital becomes so strong that ultimately I can take a month off for my business. And most people just had a heart attack when I said that. Right. By the way, I just did this personally. I just left for three weeks to go to the Colorado Rockies and go at 12,000 feet doing some elk hunting. And the business grew while I was gone. Nice. It didn't even miss me, which means that I have a intangible asset amongst my team members that someone from the outside says, hey, I'm not buying a headache if I were to buy this business. 
also my profitability goes up because I have my freedom and I'm not having to work as much in my business. So one of the first intangible assets we want to deal with is human capital. We want to build a strong team around you. That's, that's a given. The second one we want to deal with is what's called customer capital, customer capital. What I mean by that is you want to have a diverse customer base. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I had a client who called me and they had one customer, the U.S. government. That was an awful customer, by the way. Okay. <laughs> they had one customer, the U.S. government. They got even more detailed. They were making a particular widget for the U.S. Army. So mm-hmm. not even the U.S. government, it was the U.S. Army and they were only making one thing, one item. Wow. And they lost their contract. Mm-hmm. What happened to the business? It's gone. <laughs> it would have been gone except for some smart guy came and said, hey, let's diversify our customer list, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things we want to look at is, is we want a diversification of our customer. We want to have, we want to have customers who are depending on multi-geographic, multi-ethnic, multi-socioeconomics, whatever it is in your business, you want a broad diversification of customers. They, they had the old saying of 20, 60, 20, right? 20% of your top clients typically provide most of your revenue, 80% of the revenue. So we want to constantly be dropping out 20 of our bottom percent and constantly moving that top 20 down through our, through our bandwidth. So we want to have diversification of customer. The more diversified your customer base is, the more your intangible value or your goodwill could grow or could be valued. Mm -hmm. The next thing you have is structural capital. Okay. Structural capital is think about McDonald's French fries. I know you can taste them right now. I was in Malta not too long ago, Malta over in the Mediterranean. I wanted a McDonald's French fries so bad I could actually salivate for it. Interesting thing about McDonald's French fries is, is that, and we've all seen this, a 16 year old, can go to McDonald's and cook French fries with boiling hot grease and not burn the restaurant down. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to me. Why? <laughs> because they have a structure, they have a system in place that outlines every single aspect of that system. Right. I was talking with a client. I said, Hey, I want you to tell me how you even clean your office. Write it out into a point. Well, Justin, we get the vacuum. Where's the vacuum? What's in the closet? Which closet? Where's the closet at? Give me detail. You want it to where your, my 16-year-old daughter can come into your business and duplicate it. If you can build that process, that structure, you now have a system that you can sell. You build your intangible assets. And finally, social capital. Social capital is how does the community to which you operate within, how do they view your business, mm-hmm. right? Are you investing your abilities within your direct target demographic, Apple does an amazing job of this and they do it subtly. They do it with white headphones. They do it with white earbuds. Forever, whenever the Apple came out, they changed the paradigm just with one little bit of social capital of using a color to denote loyalty amongst the customer base. Hmm. So if you're trying to grow the value of your company, one of the simplest ways to do is hit those four capitals, people, customers, structures or systems, and social. And that, if you focus on that, you will see the value of your company increase. Profitability comes, scalability comes, competitiveness, all that stuff follows those type of inputs. Right. And when you were talking about the customer capital and, you know, diversifying, that doesn't mean that someone can't still be in a niche business. It just means, you know, you obviously aren't putting all your eggs in one basket per se. Yeah, so I, I can think of a lot of niche businesses that I've seen. We say niche, <laughs> so, so that's East Tennessee slang right there. So whenever you're looking at a niche business, you can have a niche business in multiple multiple parts of the United States, multiple parts of the world even for that matter. Um, I have a dear client and a friend who sells servos for remote control airplanes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is hyper niche. I mean, you cannot get any more niche than that. 
He has customers of, other, of every country, ethnicity, socioeconomic. He's got an unbelievable customer capital. He's not selling it all to one company. If he were selling it all to one buyer, then he has customer concentration, which is a huge risk. So you can be hyper niched as, as, as you want to be and still create diversity amongst your, your customer base. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we touched on that so we could completely explain, you know, exactly what we meant on there, because there are some that definitely are focusing just on one thing and that's, that's okay too. As Absolutely. As, you know, like you said, you're not having like your, your most of your revenues from that one client or like I said, one base customer. So anyway, so how can someone go from where they are at this point to where they want to be to get the valuation that they're looking for? Well, we've got to start with the gap, right? So we want to know where we're at today and that's going to take an assessment. And so you can get an evaluator, you can get a, an ABA or a CBA to do a full appraisal. There are, there are, website companies who will do a quick benchmark for you and what your business is worth. Um, even at trade shows, oftentimes, I've been to many, many, many different types of trade shows. They'll have systems or processes or classes that say, hey, if you're within this much revenue stream, then you're probably within this type of a revenue style of your business. So we have to have a starting point. That's the first step you do. Um, Many people can offer these. I know it's one of the services we offer as our system as we check it out first. Um, but there's online processes. So you want to get some sort of an assessment ultimately. Um, I like assessments that are actually backwards engineering the ABA process or the CBA process. So in, a, in an evaluation, there are seven different types of evaluations that you can pull on a business. Multiple times we put it all in one spreadsheet. There's 256 points behind that value that we judge the the sellability of the price point of the business. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. What I like to do is I like to backwards engineer and say, as I'm doing my assessment, what areas of my businesses are weak? Okay, so you got to start off with an assessment somewhere, but here's where I want to challenge your mind to go to. Separate your business into eight key areas. There's really only eight areas of business, okay? And I'm going to go through these eight areas. And if you think about this logically, you as a business owner know where you're the weakest in. You automatically know it once I start saying it. And you're going to say, aha, that's me. So if you listen to these eight areas, think about those eight areas. And then we're going to figure out the step to move us from where we're at to where we want to be 12 months from now. So this is practical advice that we give business owner clients on a regular basis. That's how it goes. So there's eight key areas. We have planning. What are you actually putting in writing that you're going to accomplish over the next 12 months of your, of your business? That's planning. Leadership. What, how are you investing into your team? How are you teaching them? What's the organizational structure look like? That's leadership. You have marketing. Who are you targeting? Who is it your idealistic, most profitable customer? If you have a persona for them, that's marketing. Sales. How do you convert that person that you just targeted whenever they call you? How do you get them to say yes to your product or service? That's sales. So we have planning, leadership, sales, and marketing for first four. The next four is people. Who exactly is on your team that's strong? And what areas of weakness do you have in your team right now? Do you need to get a new wide receiver for your football team? Use that as an analogy. You need to find somebody new, bring them into your team. Where are you weak at in your team? operations. We call it throughput. There's, um, there's a lot of books written about operational efficiency. There's lots of systems like Six Sigma and lean manufacturing. There's all sorts of operational things, but ultimately operations is how do you get what you do from 
your mind, the entrepreneur, the business owner, to the customer in a way that they don't want to refund. That's quality control. That's the last part of the operational structure. So operations is the sixth item. Finance, which Kenny, that's what you're in too. Finance is making sure that you have a proper CFO, making sure that you have someone that's telling you yes and no properly about when to make moves within the money side of your business. And number eight is legal. And that's the risk management. That's all the legal documents and the insurances that we deal with. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we have eight key areas of business. Let's go through those again. Planning leadership, sales, marketing, people, operations, finance, and legal. And I've got tons of blogs about this and tons of podcasts kind of teaching around this. So as I said, those things, the business owner automatically says, well, you know what? I've got, I've got a good CPA and a good bookkeeper. My finance stuff is in good shape. I've got an attorney. My attorney's already made sure all my legal documents are in place. You know, I've got a rock star team behind me and they are just making it happen. The best team I've ever had. You know what though? I don't really know who my perfect target client is. Hmm. Maybe that's you. So now we would focus on marketing. So let's use that as an analogy. We say, okay, we're going to focus on marketing. My challenge to you is this, what three items do you want to accomplish in the next year as it relates to marketing? You may say, well, Justin, I want a marketing plan. I want a marketing plan that details the eight areas of marketing or nine areas, depending on which study you want to read. I want to outline my target persona. I want to find out my target demographic within my SIC code or my zip code or my NAIC code. I want to find, I want to break out the divisions of our country or my county or my city into a position that I can saturate it so I get market saturation. I want to be the person that whenever they think about the product or service in my zip codes that I have web domination, whatever your goal is, write down three of them. Mm -hmm. That is your objective. Now for each one of those objectives, I want you to write three specific, specific action steps that you or a member of your organization or a third party is going to do to help you accomplish that goal. So let's say I want to create a target. I want to create a target client, a personal target persona. Great. I'm going to have a marketing firm do the study and create that persona for me. Great. That's my action step. So we have three different objectives. For each objective, we have three different action steps. And for each action step, you guessed it, we have three different tactics that we're going to do. Wow. So for the weakest area of your business, you actually end up with 27 items that you're going to be able to look at and break it down on a calendar year and say, okay, we have to accomplish these 27 items over the next calendar year. And here's how we're going to eat that elephant one bite at a time, right? right. We're going to give these three to Sally and these three to Herman and these three to Frank and these three to Alfonso. We're going to move these things around to our team or to our subcontractors. And at the end of this next year, we're going to look back and say, did we accomplish our objectives? Let me tell you. If you will do that, you will accomplish your objectives and some. Mm -hmm. Because whenever we get laser focused, we always reap a harvest where we place an emphasis. We right. always do. We always and do. Sam, We're not focused. Yeah, it's focused. We're not going to sow corn and get okra out of the ground. We're right. going to reap a harvest within our weakest area. So, Whenever you're trying to drive that value, you start with evaluation, you tear your business apart, maybe through a SWOT analysis or something, you come up with which area of your business do you need to improve on, then you get hyper-focused and say, here are the 27 action steps that we're going to take and the timeframes we're going to hold ourselves accountable. And that's how you end up driving the value of your company up. Mm -hmm. 
Now, this is great advice. I know some people might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed too, like, oh gosh, there's so much to do to really affect, you know, the valuation, but you probably would say just take it a step at a time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we're, we're, we're drinking from a fire hose now, folks. I mean, we, we don't want to do this on a regular basis. We'll get, we'll get old real fast. So what's a piece of advice that you would give to the entrepreneur then who maybe wants to really start focusing? I mean, I know you've given us these 27, you know, things that are going to be over the year, but if someone's about to start out and they're like, wow, this is just like so much information, like what's a simple step you can give them to get started? What is the one thing that you know right now in your business you need to do? Mm. And then why haven't you done it? I can tell you that the reason why we, myself included, hand raised here, the reason why we haven't done it is because of a myriad of things. It could be because we're a firefighter. We're running around all day putting out flames in our business. It could be that I come up with so many ideas every day that I can't accomplish them all. Mm -hmm. It could be that there's just so much to do. I'm going to become lethargic and I'm just, you know, what's the old stagnation by analysis, analysis paralysis. You know, okay. that's, we end up running that, that area. The one piece of advice I'm going to tell you is, hire somebody to kick you in the butt <laughs> hire a coach it worked for us as kids right they pushed us to far far more than we can ever do in our life we made those touchdowns we wrestled we had the volleyball games we ran track faster than we ever could whatever your sport was it's because a coach was behind you yelling you yelling at you telling you you can do it encouraging you loving on you helping you realize that you have more to accomplish than you desire Mm -hmm. business is no different in fact it's the hardest game we're ever going to play you need somebody in your corner that understands you that understands your passions your desires that's been there mm -hmm. that can put their arm around you proverbially or physically and say hey you got this let me tell you how we can accomplish this mm -hmm. you say well i've been in business a long time i got it all great hire a board of advisors then Right. Get you a myriad of coaches around you. That's where I'm at right now. I've got a whole board that I go and sit in front of and they wear me out. And they turn around and say, hey, good bread. This is what you're going to do to get there, man. Let's go do it. Make it happen. Don't come back here with excuses. Yes or no, sir. No excuse, sir. The old army slogan. That's, that's what you need. So right. if you find yourself overwhelmed, if you find yourself where business has beat you down, especially this year in 2020, if you find yourself more excited than ever, like I am right now, man, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's make this thing happen. <laughs> Wherever you're at in life, get somebody who's there behind you. I'll mm -hmm. leave it with this question, this point. Michael Phelps, I love watching him in the Olympics win so many medals swimming. Swimming is one of those things that I love to do. He had multiple coaches, but one coach, his whole purpose was to watch his elbows, hmm. to make sure his elbows were in perfect alignment. Now, Michael Phelps won more medals than his coaches ever did combined but he had somebody there alongside them telling him, here's how you can improve. Right. And a good coach is always worth any type of fee they're going to charge you for relative to your business. So I would right. say hire a coach to help you accomplish your goals. And I think that's important too. I think sometimes people look at the cost of, Oh gosh, that's so much, you know, per month. And I really can't afford that. But if you look at the return you're going to get, not the cost it is now, but what is it going to do for your business to actually have that investment uh, in the long run, it's going to pay for itself. You know, and Candy, a lot of coaches come up with money back guarantee. Mm -hmm. I know in our business we do, but look, after the first year, if you don't like what you got, we'll give you money back. Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches out there that'll come alongside because we the coaching industry knows when they're good right they know when they have aligned their values and their philosophies with the perfect business owner which meets and that they can add value the last thing a coach wants is failure because it's going to look right. bad on them and they're going to get fired because <laughs> ash university of tennessee coaches here they're going to get fired and you're not going to have the coaching job anymore and it's going to get, have ripple effects throughout the coaching industry amongst your peers and we don't mm -hmm. want that so right. hire a coach that's my advice Exactly. Well, I'd love for you to just explain a little bit too, when someone is looking to sell or they want a valuation and someone's going to come in and actually look at their business and give them a value, what do they really look at and how do they determine that number? Oh, that's very, that's, that's a tough answer there because it depends on the type of business. So mm -hmm. um, let me try to keep it ultra simple here because you, you can have a lot of different type of listeners here. For the most part, an, a business owner is going to, I'm sorry, an evaluator, evaluation is going to look at historical type performance. What, ha, what is your financial statements, your tax returns, et cetera, show from the past? What is that trend line? Um, think about an airplane taking off. What's the glide path of the airplane? Is it increasing rapidly? Is it flat? Is it declining? Okay. Declination is never good for business valuation, by the way. Right. So they're going to look backwards. Okay. Then they're going to look forward and they're going to say, based on this trajectory and based on the, and the intangible assets that this company has, all those capitals, that like human capital, customer capital, all those things, is there opportunity for us to go into this company and see the trajectory increase more so than its current glide path? Okay, so they're going to look backwards and look forward. They're going to bring that to a, a present calculation, and they're going to say, based on the backwards, based on history and based on the projections going forward, here is the current value based on those two things, along with assets on hand, mm -hmm. along with goodwill, which is your intangible assets, and along with whatever the legal restrictive covenants could be. Okay. If you have intellectual property like I do, that's going to add value because that's an asset class. If you don't have, if you have um, certain machinery type things, it may have a higher value. So they're going to look backwards. They're going to look forward and they'll look at your present situation. And it's going to derive seven different types of valuations, a, a myriad. It, it, a, a typical valuation report will have numbers that vary between a range. And what that does is that gives the buyer and the seller an opportunity now to negotiate the terms of that particular transaction. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not always, Hey, it's worth a million. Give me a million. It's, there's a lot more negotiating back and forth than that. Right. Did that answer your question? Simplicity as best I could. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good start. And do they also like compare to other similar businesses like in your industry or in your region or is it just pretty much they look at your numbers your assets your goodwill you know just kind of what you have and come up with a number there yeah it depends on the size of the business there okay so um one of the things about private businesses is it's private okay mm -hmm. and yeah they're going to look at so for example i just did an evaluation for a dental office okay the dental offices typically range between 70 percent to 110 percent of trailing 12-month collections so whatever they've made over the last 12 months is between 70 to 110. i could look down the street and i could see a dental office that just sold at 70. but let's say in that 70 percent so let's say it's a million dollars 70 percent of a million dollars seven hundred thousand that'd be the transaction value of that 
But that dentist's office down the street, man, it has old equipment. They're still using microfiche, right? I mean, you walk in there and they got like a manual drill. Like it looks like the old blender, right? They got grandma sitting at the front desk who she barely made it to the office this morning. Okay. That's going to be a far different price point than mm -hmm. a dentist to the opposite side, the same exact town that has digital systems, a young, highly trained, highly credentialed, very motivated workforce, um, systems and processes to where the dentist is not having to be there 24 seven, even though it's the same revenue position, one's a million, one's a million, this one may go for 700,000, this one may go for $1.1 million. So mm -hmm. yeah, they're looking at, they're looking at SIC codes or NAIC codes in there. There's value stats that we can subscribe to and see some sort of trends, but it's ultimately down to the intrinsic value. Mm -hmm. What does the buyer truly believe they're getting? Okay. If a strategic buyer may look at grandma over the front desk and say, Hey, I want to keep her. I want to get this business because that old dentist in there, he's never done implants or veneers or some of these other crazy things that we've heard about from dental community. And then another one may say, you know what? I don't want to deal with the conversion of that old style practice. I want a new shiny car that I can step into right away. And I'm willing right. to pay for it. So it, it, it all depends. The simple answer is yes, but not always. And the smaller the business, the harder it is to do that with. Right. Understood. Well, I knew that I just wanted to really start to touch on valuation. And I know this year things have been crazy, you know, and so valuations may have changed. Um, but I actually have a customer who's thinking of selling their business now. And I thought this would be a great topic uh, to share as well. So um, I would love for you, though, to share any offers that you might have for our listeners. Um, because I'm sure you have lots of things since you were even talking about you have blogs and you have, you know, other resources. So I would love you to share some of those resources. Yeah, sure. So the first thing I would say is check out financiallysimple.com. That's the blog. It houses everything. It has courses on there, our books we've written. Um, we do have a podcast. You can find us on every on everything financially simple. I actually teach all that we talked about today, I break it down into bite-sized uh, mm -hmm. spoonfuls. I think there's 300 episodes plus on there now of, of me teaching with various guests coming on. It's more of a teaching, instructing, specifically designed for business owners. There's a YouTube channel where we talk about how-to videos. Um, there is a course called Strategic Planning. You can go to financiallysimple.com forward slash planning. I'm, yeah, forward slash planning, I think. Um, it's Strategic Planning. And there is an offer code that's half off right now. And it'll actually walk you through how to do strategic planning for your business next year. Here we are in November as we're recording this. We're in 2020, the year from hell. I mean, it's been an apocalyptic year if I've ever seen one. And we're not through with it yet. I mean, it just seems like it just keeps going on more, more lunacy every day. 2021 is going to be the better year. It has to be. I mean, we actually had a lion, a tiger loose in the streets of Knoxville in the middle of this year. Somehow oh, wow. a tiger got loose. <laughs> Figure crazy. that one out. We had an airplane land in the middle of our, in the middle of our interstate system in Knoxville, Tennessee this year in the midst of everything else. So it's been a year that's been crazy. 2021 can be the best year of our business. It can, mm -hmm. but it's not going to happen by accident. We are right now working with our clients, preparing them for our January, February planning push, strategic planning, tearing apart their businesses, doing the valuations, doing the assessments to know what areas we need to work on. And we're going to walk out of there with those business owners laser focused on the 27 specific things that they need to do in their business. And whenever they do those, what the results are going to be. Mm -hmm. So we can already pre-qualify that if you do these things, it's going to raise your value by X number of dollars. So we're nice. working on that. You can get that same course through our, our, our strategic planning course on financialsimple.com. 
Okay. And besides that website, do you have like a phone number or, you know, any other social media that you want to share? Yeah. If you Google Justin's name, you'll find it everywhere. So you can connect with us on social media, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, Justin Goodbread or Financial Simple either way. Uh, we're putting out stuff every day. We have a Monday tips Tuesday. We're going to, we'll be starting in, in February, March of next year, a, um, uh, what do they call it? A membership program where we have a weekly um, huddle to talk through business owners and how to help them drive this value even greater. So there's lots of things out there. I, I can't even keep up anymore, Candy. They, they, the, the team here does all that stuff. Well, it sounds like you have a great team, which is one of those things about the human capital, right? right. <laughs> Make sure you have That's a great right. team. So, but I do want to thank you, Justin, for being a guest on the show today and sharing this information. I know we barely just started to touch, you know, on this topic. There's so much more, um, but I appreciate your taking the time to, you know, share your expertise with the listeners. And I do want to thank the listeners also for tuning in. Um, so I hope you found this topic interesting and that it will help you just understand a little bit more about what valuation is and how to implement that in your business, make those changes to increase the value of your business. And if you have any questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Justin um, at any of the information that he shared on how to reach him. Or you can also reach us at media at abandp.com. Uh, you can also find us on social media as well. So Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, and again, my website is abandp.com. And I hope you tune in next time for another great topic that we'll be sharing with you, the listener. So thanks so much for joining us and have a great day.